0: my I rivers We experience a variety of emotions. We do. We're taught by the Apostle Paul in Philippians that we are to rejoice in the Lord. And he says it again. He says, and again, I say, rejoice. We're taught that we should be happy in the Lord. We also experience other feelings and thoughts as well. Sometimes we experience Thoughts of anger, malice, envy, covetousness, a variety of feelings that we experience. Many of those mindsets and feelings that we have, we have clear instruction on how to handle it or how to change it. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, we're taught to put some things behind us. And he simply just addresses malice and anger and evil speaking and clamor. And he says that if we embrace these thoughts, if we embrace these feelings, these are feelings that we should come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and ask for a new way of thinking and a new mindset. Wouldn't you like to just always rejoice in the Lord? I'd like to I'd like to be able to experience that all the time. But in life, that's not always the case, especially in this world. This last week, I had an experience a couple of weeks ago that that uh, that when I was made aware of the experience, uh, sorrow and sadness just really gripped my heart. And so, even though we deal with emotions in different ways, sorrow and sadness is something that we actually have to work through. It's something that we don't put off. It's something that we don't put aside. But it's something that we work through. Almost immediately, When this thought came to mind, when sorrow gripped my heart, almost immediately this verse came to mind to help me. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted, which means being anxious? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance. I was thankful that immediately a verse came to mind. That provided help. In the midst of a sorrowful situation. We have sorrow because. Life doesn't work out the way we plan it to work out. It doesn't end up oftentimes the way that we expect it to end up. I was blessed with three wonderful quote fathers in the ministry. Two of them were quite elderly. And uh, their lifespan was not real long, but that was almost expected. But the one that made the most impact upon my life was my pastor, Elder George Johnson. And he was young when I first knew him. And the Lord took him home at a young age. And that perplexed me because I saw that, that I felt like that I still needed him. And I saw that other people needed him. And when his family called and made me aware that he was ill and, and said his time is going to be short and if you want to see him, you need to, you need to come out to Texas, you need to see him. And when I was made aware of that, and this was several years ago, it, it gripped me with great sorrow because I thought we still needed him. I thought his family did. I thought the churches did. I thought West Texas did. And I was perplexed about it in addition to being very sorrowful remember going to the funeral of my brother-in-law that died at a fairly early age and left four children, some of them teenagers, without a father. And I remember the tremendous sorrow that was experienced there. I can't imagine the sorrow that a mother feels when she loses a child. You know, the way it's, Generally, works out. The years of our life are three score and ten, and by reason of strength, four score, and that's 70 and 80 years, and that's generally how it works out. But sometimes a mother experiences the loss of a little infant or a young child, and I can't imagine the sorrow that one might experience. So a lot of folks that have experienced in their life a lot more sorrow than what I have, But I'm glad to know that if we ever experience seasons of sorrow, that God gives us something to help us. David right here experienced sorrow of heart. And let's look at chapter 42 of Psalms. Great Psalms, a great chapter. And see if there's about five or six, there's about five or six points that I believe will help you if you ever experience sorrow of heart. He compares it to the heart or the male deer. It says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. There's specifically two reasons that a male deer would be panting after the water brooks. Number one, that it's in a desert area and that it's dry, and that it's hot, and that it is longing for the thirst to be quenched, and it it knows that uh, there's a, a place of refreshment, a place of refreshing, and that's one reason that a male deer would thirst after the water brooks. But the second reason that a male deer, it's told, would thirst after the water brook or the rivers of water would be if they're being chased by the enemy. And in the world in which we live, there's certainly uh, in the world in which we live enemies all around. And we desire to be refreshed from the things of God and we thirst and long after the things of God. And David is saying right here, he says, My thirst for the things of God is compared to a heart, a a male deer that's out in the wilderness where the rivers are very sparse and very far apart. And he says "It's, it's compared to the male deer that's being chased by the enemy, longing for a place of refuge and safety. And he said, I have a thirst for God and his presence and his strength and his blessing. Much like the heart that's longing after the water brook. David says, my soul thirsteth for God. My soul thirsteth for the living God. I'm not desiring the gods of idols. I'm not desiring the gods that don't work, that are not alive He says, I'm desiring the blessings and the presence of God who gives us life, who sustains us life, who redeems us. He said, I'm desirous of almighty God, of the true and the living God. He said, I'm thirsting after God. He says, when I shall come and appear before God. He says, my tears have been my meat night and day while they continually say to me, where is thy God? So he's giving the picture right here that he has so much sorrow that he's dealing with right here that it affects him with the tears are so prevalent that it affects him even night and day. And he says those that are looking on would would say, well, where is your God? Why would you be experiencing this if your God was in charge? If your God was in control, if your God cared for you, why would you be experiencing all these things? Job experienced that. Job was challenged even by his friends about the the difficult experience that he was having, that he was facing. And they begin, to, uh, they, they begin to question Job. They begin to question his integrity. Uh, his, his wife and others question Job. And the psalmist is saying right here, he says, They say unto me, where is thy God? It's a great witness and testimony. When the saint of God can go through deep trials, deep experiences, deep troubles, and they can be held up by the strength and grace, and as Brother Ben mentioned, the mercy of Almighty God. And not only is it a blessing to the individual that's being held up at that time, but it's a blessing to everybody else as well. It's a blessing to those that witness your testimony When they know that you're going through a difficult time, yet they also know that God is your strength and he's holding you up. It's an encouragement for other people when they see that you're not pitching in the towel, that you're not giving up, that you're not fading along the way, but that you're strong and they know that your strength is above and beyond what you have yourself. It's a witness to your blessings of God. He said, Where is thy God? Here's some things that David said helped him when he experienced great sorrow and sadness of heart. And I hope it helps you as well. He says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise. With the multitude that kept holy day. There's several points in this chapter. And it points us to some things that we remember. So here's one thing that he says right here. David says in the middle of this difficult time. He says in the midst of this sorrow of heart. He says, all of a sudden, I remember something. I remember going to the house of the Lord. I remember rejoicing with the people of God. I remember rejoicing in the message of God's amazing grace. And even though I'm experiencing a difficult trial right now or burden right now, I remember some things. I remember that God has shed his mercy upon me. I remember that God has encouraged my soul. I remember that God has held me up and I'm reminded of those things in the house of the Lord. And David said, that helps me. That strengthens me. So your worship today, not only I trust helps you today, but I believe it'll help you all week. I believe when you begin to have trials and difficulties and struggles in life, you can look back on the blessings that you've received and you can glean from those and you can be strengthened from those. So your benefit of being in worship today is not only right here and now, but it's going to help you all week long. It really is. It should. I believe it does. So David said, I remembered something. Here's how Jeremiah said it right here. Let me see if we can uh, find uh, Jeremiah said in Lamentations. Jeremiah said, Jeremiah describes his lot. Everybody's lot is just a little bit different. Everybody has their own trials, their own struggles, their own difficulties. and, And all of us feel like that ours are the biggest almost. And so Jeremiah said, in chapter 3 of Lamentations, he said, I even, I even feel like sometimes that I'm a target for the arrows of the Lord. He said, I feel like that, that my, my, my road is so hard, my, my, my lot is so difficult. But Jeremiah said, here's something that helped me in the middle of the difficult journey that I have. Here's what he said. He said, remembering my affliction and my misery... It is not at all discounting affliction and misery. Affliction is real. Misery is real. He's not minimizing it at all. But what he is saying is that in the middle of my affliction, in the middle of my misery, in the experience that I'm going through right now, I may not be able to change what I'm experiencing right now, But I can be encouraged in the middle of that affliction. I think that's great to know. Here's what he says. Remembering my affliction and my misery, my wormwood, the wormwood and the gall, he says, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. And then he says, this I recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Do you know that most folks that are overcome with despair and that are totally distraught? One thing they don't have is hope. And here he's saying, you've got hope. Jeremiah said, I have hope in the middle of my trials, in the middle of my difficulties. And he says, this is what I recall to mind. He says, I have hope. He says, this I recall to mind. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies. Brother Ben mentioned in his prayer, and I, I was blessed by the mercy of God. And here he says right here, he says, it is of God's mercies that we're not consumed. What do we really deserve? Aren't you glad we don't really get what we deserve? I mean, we'd be in a mess if we got what we deserve. Big mess. And what Jeremiah saying right here, he says in the middle of my trial and difficulty and struggle, I'm reminded of something that I'm getting a whole lot more blessings than what I deserve. And it's of the Lord's mercy that I'm just not even consumed. He says it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. He says, because his compassions, God is a God of compassion. We are beneficiaries of that. We have experienced that. He says, because his compassions, they fail not. And he says, They are new every morning. Mr. Weber, one of the things I enjoy so much when I go to the eastern shore, to the ocean, where you spend a lot of time, is I love to watch the sun come up over the ocean. It doesn't have any distractions, any hindrances at all, to sit there and watch the sun come up. A lot of times I'll see folks out there taking pictures, videos of the beautiful sunrises. The reason I like to watch it, one of the reasons I like to watch this, it reminds me of this verse right here. He says, His mercies are new every day. So today, His mercies are going to be brand new. The trials and difficulties that I might face or experience, God has given me mercy, and He's promised that they're going to be new today. He says His mercies are new every day, and He says, great is not my faithfulness. I missed the mark so many times, but he doesn't say great is my faithfulness. He says great is thy faithfulness. So you can be encouraged in the Lord to know that God is a merciful God. His mercies are new for you today. They're going to be new for you tomorrow. He's going to sustain you up and great is his faithfulness. And he has compassion upon you because he's a compassionate God. That encourages us when we get down. It encouraged Jeremiah, and it ought to encourage you and I as well. He said, I remembered something. I remembered the mercies of God. I remembered going to the house of the Lord. I remembered those old songs that we sung. I remembered the the scriptures that I heard, and it encouraged me. Then he says, and he's almost asking himself, it seems like. Why art thou cast down? Verse 5, O oh, my soul. And why art thou disquieted or overcome with anxiety and worry? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Do you know that one of the things that helps us come out or work through a season of despair is to turn our complaint. To praise. To start praising God. Somebody called out the song. Great song that we sang this morning. Count your many blessings. Did you know that when you start counting your many blessings. That'll help you a whole lot. To work through a season of despair. In fact if you have trouble counting your blessings. Take a, a ledger pad. And just start writing down your blessings. And it'll just be amazing. How that will help you. In what you're experiencing and what you're going through with. Count your blessings. David says, he says, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. His countenance. God's countenance on us. God's appearance. I read one of the commentaries and this is what it likened it to. That we can maybe relate to of a father with a little child holding his hand out to him with a great big smile can you imagine that God looks upon us and the countenance that God has upon us that God looks at us as his children he looks at us With love and compassion and mercy. When he looks down upon us, he looks upon us with pity, but with care. So the psalmist says, I can thank God because of how he looks upon me. Because of the countenance of Almighty God. He said, here's another thing that I think back on. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember something again? He said, I'm going to remember thee from the land of Jordan, from the Hermonites and the hill of Mazar. And if you look that up, that's places where David had experienced special blessings from God. As we look back upon our lives, each one of us here, have some landmarks in our life that we can look back on where we knew that God was blessing us individually. God is a God of mercy and grace and He sheds that grace upon many. But God also focuses it down upon His individual children. And David said, I can think back on my life and I can look at some places in my life Where I knew that God was blessing me. I knew that God was delivering me. I knew that God was sparing me. I knew that God was holding me up. And David said, so when I get down, when I get discouraged, I can think back upon those special landmark places in my life that I know that God was with me. And he held me up. And David said, that helps me. When my soul gets weary to look back upon my life and see the landmark places that God has blessed me. He says, deep calleth unto the deep at the noise of the water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. He begins to almost describe the, the trials of this life and troubles as as the the waves in the in the ocean. Uh, in, In Psalm 69, David says it like this. Save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul. David says, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail me while I wait for my God. All of this chapter describes the struggles that... The psalmist is experiencing right here and he says, I feel like sometimes that the waves are overwhelming, that the troubles are coming upon my life and they're coming just almost like the waves in a sea that before one wave is gone, another one is attached to it. And it just seems like that one trial and one trouble after another. And David said, that's what sometimes I feel like in my life. And you may feel that way at different times. I hope you don't. But if you do, I want you to know that there's some promises that God gives us in his word that helps us in those times. You may get a bad report from a doctor. Uh, You may lose a loved one suddenly. You may have the loss of of a friend or a child. And these struggles are real. He says feel like that trials and troubles are on every hand, but he says, yet the Lord, and this is really neat how he says this right here. David said, no doubt I'm experiencing, I mean, his his son desired his life. Saul desired his life. He was chased by the enemy. He had the enemy on every hand. But David says, here's some things that helped me in the middle of that. He says, yet the Lord will. I like this, how he said it. He says, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness. Now, if and he says that he's going to command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. Here's something else that will help you in the middle of your struggle is to know that God It's not something that he desires and hopes for and and wishes will happen to you or longs for or it might happen to you. David said God is going to command his loving kindness upon my life. If God commands his loving kindness upon your life, then all of the enemies of Satan, all the trials of life can can mount upon you. But if you know that God who loves you and cares for you is commanding his loving kindness upon your life, that's going to help you and that's going to sustain you and that's going to encourage you in the difficult times of life. And he says, not only that, he says, I'm taking care of the daytime by commanding his loving kindness upon you. But he says, even those night seasons that can become so troubled and so burdensome and and so overblown sometimes with discouragement. He says, even in the night seasons, he says, I'm going to give you a song in your heart. He says, he says, in the nighttime, a song shall be with me. He says, I'm going to put a song in your heart to help you in the nighttime, to help you in the daytime. He says, and I'm going to command my loving kindness upon you. Then he says, and my prayer shall be unto the God of my life. So not only is God commanding his loving kindness, not only is he providing the song that's going to be with us in the night, but then he gives us the wonderful method and means of being able to talk to the Lord. It just simply means that you, you can commune with God. He knows your need. You can do it at the night time. You do it at the daytime. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with your family. You can come together and you can talk to the Lord and share your need and your request. And the good, no, good news is that He knows your need even before you ask. And He knows it even better than you ask. And he cares and he's able to help you in your time of need. So that'll help you a whole lot. He said, I'll say unto God, my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God. The psalmist sums up this chapter almost the way he starts out and the way that he emphasizes different points through the chapter, he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He repeats verse five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. When sorrow comes your way, you run to the Lord. You take your feelings, you take your sorrow, you take your burdens, and you go to the Lord. David said, why am I cast down? Why is my soul disquieted within me? He says, hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. Before I, before I get to the last half of the last verse, I want to mention one more portion here in uh, First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I love this chapter. Great chapter, but I'm just going to hit a couple of verses right here. I use this chapter a lot. I don't know if I've ever preached a funeral that I haven't referenced at least a portion of this chapter right here. Because it tells us that that's what it's for. It tells us we're for comfort one another with these words. This is what he says. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. He's talking about folks that have gone to be with the Lord. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Talking about those that have passed away, our loved ones, our friends. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So he he puts in two, he has two different categories right here. He has a category of individuals that face sorrow. And they don't have hope in Christ. And then he... Categorizes another group of individuals that he's talking to right here. And he said, you face sorrow, but you have hope in Christ. And he says, you don't sorrow the same way. Because in the midst of your sorrow, you know something. Paul Harvey used to say, now you know the rest of the story. Well, what he's saying right here is that If you have hope in Christ, you know the rest of the story. You know the last chapter. You know how it's written. You know how it's going to end up. You know how you're going to end up. And so as you sorrow, when folks pass away or any types of sorrow that you experience, you know, the last chapter, you know, that the Lord wrote the last chapter. And you know that for the child of God, for the saint of God, it's a wonderful experience because no matter how Satan may try to hinder us here in this life, there's not anything the Apostle Paul says that can separate us from the love of almighty God. Not anything at all. You know the last chapter. And so as you sorrow. You know that. And it makes a big difference. In how you sorrow. Still going to sorrow. But you're not going to sorrow the same way. Because you have something. And you know something. So. Here's what David says. The last verse. I love this last verse right here. If you remember. If you remember, David said in verse five, I want to read it because it almost says the same thing. But there's something here that is profoundly different in verse 11 compared to verse five. Big difference here that I want you to see in verse five. This is what it says. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why is my soul disquieted? Why art thou so disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hold on to that for just a minute. Now go over to the last verse, the last verse of this chapter, and look at the difference right here. He says, why art thou cast down, my soul? He says, why art thou? My thou disquieted within me, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. Your countenance can be encouraged by God. He said in verse five, God, I'm thankful for your countenance upon me, that you shed mercy and grace upon me. I'm thankful that when you look upon me as a loving father, you look upon me with compassion and care. You strengthen me. He says, I'm thankful for your countenance, but God, I'm thankful that you are the strength of my countenance. So when Satan comes and tosses some discouraging marks your way, you can be strengthened with the Lord. He's the strength of your countenance. Great chapter. I hope it encourages you like it does me. God bless you.